Good morning and welcome to the Breakdown on Latte Firm. Today I am delighted to be joined by Charles Watts, Arsenal correspondent at Goal. Charles, a very good morning to you. How are you? Good morning. Yeah, very good. Thankfully, after after yesterday, um, had a nicer sleep than certainly would have done if we dropped points. So uh, yeah, all good. Thank you very much. Good to be here again. Good. No, and you're very, very welcome. Thank you, as always, for making time. And sorry, I didn't realise it was Bank Holiday Monday. And of course, it's Eid today. So for any of our followers, friends who are celebrating Eid, a very happy Eid Mubarak to you and your families. Hope you have a lovely day. Charles, Arsenal have a habit of doing things the difficult way. We had the international break, three defeats on the bounce. And then, of course, you went on, away on holiday while we won Manchester United and the Chelsea games. Going into yesterday, it was a must-win game, particularly because Spurs had won earlier in the day. What was the mood like in the Arsenal camp going into it? Well, I mean, it was good. After those back-to-back wins against Chelsea and United, I mean, it totally transformed the mood around the place. I mean, like, like I said, I was away, so I missed it all. Um, <laughs> I'd, I'll never... Sort of walking out of that, out of St Mary's, what, a couple of weeks ago now, you know, I, I, I hold my hand up. I thought it was done. I thought the season was done. That was, that was it. And And... You, I remember Arteta in a press conference afterwards, just how down he was. The players sort of walked around the pitch afterwards and shoulders slumped. And, you know, I just thought that was it. It was it was game over. Absolutely no chance. And so to be in this position now is absolutely remarkable. Fair play to them, you know, to go to play Chelsea United, Chelsea away, United home, West Ham away at this stage of the season on the back of three straight defeats and to get nine points out of nine. I mean, it's absolutely fantastic stuff. And um, they deserve a lot of credit for the character they're shown and you've got to remember how young this squad is to do that under immense pressure um, deserves an awful lot of credit. And, you know, it, the mood is absolutely transformed. You saw that yesterday at full time um, and they've given themselves one hell of an opportunity now. So yeah, it, it's amazing just to think back to where we were a couple of weeks ago to where they, to where they are now. It's um, It's been one hell of a turnaround. Yeah, we did see everything at full time. And of course, Connor underscore M underscore B. Be careful celebrating Eid. Chris Sutton might get upset. You tweeted about that, didn't you? About the sort of, um, you know, uh, celebration sort of police. What were your thoughts just on that before we look at the, at the lineup and the game itself? I just couldn't actually believe it this time. I mean, it's honest, genuinely getting a little bit odd now, I, I think, for them to, for that to come out. I mean, I thought he was joking. I thought he must have been on the wind up or something because there was no celebration. They literally... I mean, look, I know I'm sitting eight miles away at the London Stadium. It's so far away from the pitch. But I videoed it at full time as soon as the whistle went. And the players just all sort of met in the in the centre, shook hands with West Ham players, went over to the away fans. Yeah, the away fans were celebrating, as they should be. They've just seen a good away win that's kept them in the top four. But the players just sort of walked over there, clapped and walked off. There was no celebration. So it's genuinely beginning to feel a little bit odd now that people are kind of making a thing about it. It's almost like they're trying to create their own content to then discuss it on these talk shows that they're doing. And that's what it felt like to me with what Chris Sutton did yesterday. It, if he wasn't on the wind-up, then it was really, really odd. Because, there was, you know, if that if that's how Arsenal would celebrate winning the league, I'd be genuinely concerned, put it that way. You know, it, it was just, there was no celebration there. So, it, yeah, it's just, it's it's almost making headlines just for the sake of it, I think, now. It was, exactly that. I think they're, they're just, it's an easy you know, easy attack to have on Arsenal fans. I just I just think people just don't like Arsenal winning, but, you know, inject it, as they say. So, look, um, lots of nice greetings and Eid Mubarak greetings coming in from fans all over the world, which is amazing. Thank you for all your comments. I want to dive straight into the lineup And going into the game, Charles, obviously we know that West Ham are in the middle of a very important Europa League tie. 
I yeah. genuinely thought David Moyes, a bit like Brendan Rodgers, was going to make wholesome, you know, wholesale changes. I thought they were going to be a lot more than actually turned out. And when their team was announced, I began to get a little bit anxious. And then, of course, our team was announced. And I'll just bring that up on screen at the moment. So you guys should be able to see. Aaron Ramsdale obviously keeping his place in goal. You know, Tavares at left back, our goal-scoring centre-backs. Gabrielle and Holding, who was, of course, brought in because of Ben White's situation. Charles, just before we go on to that, Ben White, what's the, what's the issue with him? It's a, it's a hamstring issue. Mikel said after the game that he's not sure yet in terms of whether, he'll be a re whether, whether he will be available next weekend. They're going to have to do further checks on it. Apparently he got the injury during the United game, so it wasn't something he picked up in trading. So it's just, I think at the moment, it's just at the classic being assessed stage and uh, kind of fingers crossed at the moment. Certainly, maybe potentially not for next weekend because you don't want to take any risks about that North, big North London derby looming. I think you want Ben White back for that one. Indeed. Tomiyasu returned, but of course he was substituted quite late in the game. Any news on Tomiyasu's sort of strain? I think it was more of a more cramp, and that's just me kind of a bit of a hunch here. He walked through the mix zone afterwards, which is where the players come through past journalists who try and grab a word. And he spoke, he sort of stopped and spoke to Japanese media there. And he didn't seem, no, it didn't seem like anything serious. Mikel said afterwards in his press conference when he was asked about it that he wasn't worried about it. So I think... It was hopefully nothing more than cramped touchwood. It was it was quite funny actually when he went down injured. You could hear the audible groans from the away fans as he went down. It was just like, oh no. Because <laughs> he played so well as well. I thought he was considering it was his first start since January. He didn't put a foot wrong. And there were so many errors in that game yesterday. But Tommy was just he was just straight back into it, just so, so solid. Didn't lose anything in the air. He was brilliant, I thought. Yeah, he was. And you're right. I mean, I was watching from home yesterday and every, as soon as he went down, camera panned on him. And of course, he's feeling under his leg and we just thought, yeah. feared the worst. Um, going through the team, obviously, Elneny coming in. <laughs> what a renaissance for Mo Elneny. Granit Xhaka mm. alongside him. Erdegaard, obviously, just ahead of those two with Martinelli out wide. Saka uh, on the right-hand side. And of course, young Eddie Nketiah, who seems to be getting better and better by the day. When that lineup was announced, anything that took you by surprise? I mean, we've talked about the injuries, but, you know, Mo on any starting again and Ketia keeping his place. Uh, no, it was, team, it was the team I was expecting, apart from, obviously, I thought it'd be Ben White and Gabriel. Um, but other than that, it was the team I was expecting. I thought Martinelli would probably come in for Smith Rowe in this one, given we were expecting a kind of bit of a change or makeshift West Ham defence. I thought the extra sort of pressing capabilities of Martinelli and the ability to run in behind... Um, might see him get the nod ahead of Smith Rowe, so he was in my predicted eleven that I did before the game. So now, other than Ben White and Holding, it was it was a, it was the side I was expecting. I have to say, performance-wise, I thought the game started off a bit cagey. I thought both teams were a bit cautious, perhaps a bit tired. West Ham looked a bit leggy. I mean, I, I still can't believe looking back now that David Moyes has played pretty much as strong a team as he could have done. You know, three or four days ahead of potentially the biggest game in in their sort of recent history. Um, what do you think the thinking was behind Moyes', uh, Moyes decisions there, Charles? I mean, was there much talk about it in the press box? We we sort of left flabbergasted thinking, what's he doing? Yeah, I, I was very surprised. I was annoyed more than surprised, I think. Um, <laughs> James from, you know, James Bench from CBS came in and he'd, he'd got wind of it a little bit beforehand, before the team was announced. And he'd, he'd heard anyway that they were going stronger than we were kind of expecting. And my heart sank a little bit at that point because I was fully hoping for a, a 11 changes and the kids to be out there. So to hear that... Declan Rice was starting and um, Jared Bowen was starting. Like, oh, no, come on, play the game, David. <laughs> Especially after seeing the Leicester team against Spurs. So, yeah, I was really surprised. And, you know, Declan Rice played the whole 90 minutes. And he was like involved in a spat at the end with, with Eddie. And I, I, I agree with you. I mean, you know, they're 
chances at top six were kind of long, long gone, really. I, I think, I mean, maybe they had their one eye on Manchester United and possibly finished above them. But given what's at stake in their kind of two games away from the Champions League and only 2-1 down going into that game against Germany on uh, in Germany sorry, on Thursday night, I thought, you know, it was going to be at least as weak as a team he played against Chelsea, if not if not weaker. So, yeah, I, w- I was very surprised and, and everyone else was around me in the press box as well. Well, like I said, you know, as soon as the team was announced, I started getting more and more anxious, more and more nervous towards kickoff. And I, I almost bottled it. You know, I sat at home thinking, do you know what? I don't think we're going to win today. I fancy a bit of a score draw. It's going to be more difficult than I'd anticipated. Before we look at the game and, and match stats and, and sort of key moments, last question. In terms of going into the game, post-match, Aaron Ramsdale said that he didn't, he wasn't aware of the Spurs result because, of course, he came out to warm up early. Rob Holden said, yeah, of course we knew. Um, do you think that adds to the pressure? I mean, it's reminiscent of our title-challenging days. You know, United go first, then Arsenal play. Arsenal go first, then United play. But, I mean, there is a bit of a, you know, the psychological impact of, of seeing Spurs blow away a weakened Leicester you know the, the Arsenal fans might be you know forgiven for being in the dressing room thinking you know crumbs you know that the pressure's really sort of cranked up now yeah I think I, there, there has to be a part of that I don't, I don't think there's any way you, as a player no matter how professional you are you can you can kind of avoid that feeling of like oh god they've won you know we, we can't afford it it definitely puts extra pressure on on the game there's no doubt about it I think Aaron Ramsdale it made me laugh there you had sort of him and him and holding one after each other, one saying, "Oh, I didn't know what the score was," and the other one saying, "Yeah, of course, of course, we did." And it was, you know, there's no way they didn't know what's going on. And Arteta said it after the game as well. He said, "There's no point even trying to hide it from them." You know, they've all got their phones; they they know what's happening. And it's just something you got to deal with as a professional sportsman. And they're going to have to do it again next weekend. Obviously, Tottenham play on the Saturday, Arsenal play on the Sunday, and um, it's just the way it goes at this stage of the season. And it's something you have to deal with. I don't think they dealt with it well against Southampton when you know. I think that almost just even though the result didn't go very well for Spurs and they lost that game. I think for Arsenal, potentially, it was like, all right, we've got to take advantage of this now. And it almost made them fluff their lines. I, I don't know, but it's just what you've got to deal with. And, you know, fortunately, they dealt dealt with it well yesterday. And if you want to get themse- get yourselves over the line, these are the, the sort of situations you've got to face at top-level elite sport. And equally, look, I mean, Spurs might have been a bit disheartened by the way that we won against West Ham. I mean, they certainly wouldn't have thought that we would have won the three games that we've just won. And going into next weekend, the fixtures are potentially favourable for us because Liverpool, you would think or you would hope, would beat them on the Saturday night. We then host Leeds at the Emirates on Sunday. Imagine the atmosphere. I mean, that's going to be rocking, uh, particularly if we've got some points to, to, you know, to further gain on the enemy um moving through the slides into the match stats so before we get there i, I, I can't I'm, maybe it's a pessimist in me but i can't stop thinking of man city tottenham you know a couple okay. of months ago when, when i look at that liverpool game on sunday and just, i know liverpool should win the tight face to going for the title but i just charles don't it's that, it's that thing of just knowing that they're going to play a high line. You're going to have Son and Kane. We know when Tottenham are good, it's when they're playing against teams who play a high line and let them exploit them on the counter-attack. And so, yeah, I mean, until that game's finished, I'm still going to be a bag of nerves, I think, ahead of that, <laughs> ahead of uh, Arsenal's game on Sunday. Aren't we all? I mean, to be honest, actually, you're you're quite um, sort of valid in your in your observations there because I think Jamie Carragher did a, a bit on Monday Night Football about how Harry Kane, Son have uh, hurt Liverpool in the past with their counter-attacks. And yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit anxious about that. They're probably one of the best teams in transition, one of the best counter-attacking teams. And if you if you play a high line, then you might get found out. And Liverpool are going to be desperate. You know, they, they're knocking on that door. There's only three or four games to go. 
So yeah, no, I share your anxiety, but let's hope. Let's hope for the best. Um, yeah. On your screens now, match stats of the game. Uh, going into the game, West Ham, of course, uh, mixed form uh, for them. You know, they'd lost uh, three of the last five, and that includes obviously all competitions. Arsenal are on the bounce. Uh, you know, two wins against United and Chelsea, but the three painful defeats that we mentioned at the start. Possession-wise, fairly even. Of course, West Ham bossed it towards the end, but we were in the lead and they were chasing the game, so you'd kind of expect that. We had more shots on target, more shots on goal. We forced uh, Fabianski into some really good saves, although Ramsdale did have a couple of saves of his own to make. Nothing really sort of screams out with those. Um, but when you look at the passing network and you look at the structure of the team, uh, that kind of reinforces that the KG cautious start. There was a lot of possession along the back four, midfield, sitting a little bit deeper than normal. We didn't really have too much in their half. I mean, anything from this slide that sort of kind of shouts out to, out to you, Charles, in terms of like team shape, stats on the day and performance? No, I mean it just sums it up pretty well. I think it was a very, it was a very cagey affair. The first half, in fact, cagey is not really. It was a dreadful affair. The first half for the, for the majority of it. I don't think it, either team got got started at all. You can possibly excuse West Ham for that, given what they went through on Thursday night. But for Arsenal, they had a whole week's worth of rest, and and I thought they'd have certainly have a bit more of a go. But it just didn't click in the first half. They were they were pretty poor and kind of fortunate to go ahead at that point they were definitely better in the second half and you know looking at looking at Eddie there I thought Eddie gave Arsenal something in that second half which we haven't seen for the majority of the season going forward and that's the ability to run in behind and um and really stretch fences and I thought he was very unlucky not to get himself a goal I thought he was Arsenal's best player yesterday him holding and Tommy Asu I thought played very very well but there was just a lot of low. I mean, passing accuracy there were Arsenal 83%. And I, I, there must have been lower than that in the first half. I, I don't know what it was I, during those first 45 minutes, but it just seemed like real schoolboy stuff. Like granite, it's his bread and butter, isn't it? The, the passing. And there were some just moments where he, even he'd give it away sloppily. And it was just a really poor game, I thought, first half. It did improve second. And, um, but at this stage, you see, I think that it was a great quote from Arteta afterwards, wasn't it? Saying in England, you you say win un- ugly, and today, in my view, we won ugly, and they absolutely did. But at this stage of the season, it's exactly what you've got you've got to do. It's not about performances; it's about results. And Arsenal got what exactly what they went to West Ham for. Did you think, or was there any talk about the pitch being maybe dry or even sort of too big? Because the passes, they seemed slower. The ball wasn't fizzing about. You know, you talk about the sort of, you know, sloppiness or the heavy touches. I, I, you know, I'm having flashbacks of Xhaka on his knees and missing that first touch and then get you the same. The ball just wasn't flowing as nicely. Was that, was that, you know, was it, was it blatantly sort of noticeable from, from where you guys were sat? No, because we're about again about eight miles away from the pitch, and for some reason, one reason or the other, this is my first. This has been my first trip to London Stadium to watch football. Like ah. each each time it rolls around, I've been unable to go to the West Ham game for the last five years. It's been really odd, and um, yeah, it was a really weird experience watching football from from that far away. I know people have said it to death now, so it's nothing new, but it really is, and you just feel so detached from it all that. I couldn't tell if it was because I was so far away that everything looks slow or if the game was actually that slow. And, you know, people were talking about it. I saw it on social media, you know, is the grass long? What, what's happening? I'm, I'm not sure if that if that was the case, if West Ham did anything deliberately. I doubt it, to be fair, because West Ham has got some good players themselves when it comes to passing and progressing the ball quickly. So I just think it was two two teams who were pretty off it on the day. And um, that was the kind of football they served up. It did improve in the second half, there's no doubt about it. And Arsenal improved in the second half. Once they got themselves in front, I don't think, they, although we were, there was obviously a lot of nerves and tension going around, they never really looked like conceding the equaliser, did they? I don't think Ramsdale had a save to make after it went to 2-1, anything of note anyway. 
Um, and I thought they were pretty comfortable when they saw the game out relatively well, despite not being at their best. Indeed. Well, let's look at some of the key moments of the game. So, you know, obviously we went into the lead through a towering Rob Holding header from a corner. Uh, another set piece. Nico Jova's work is just really sort of paying off with this Arsenal team. Um, I felt, Charles, watching that game, we talked about the sort of cautious, cagey start. I felt like it was going to take a set piece to really sort of break the deadlock. And of course, that's what happened. Thoughts on the goal as it went in after you'd, of course, finished celebrating? Yeah, I mean, it was good. good. It kind of reminded me of Gabriel's header um, in the Leicester win earlier on in the season. Um, very similar to that. And um, fair place for I think it's his first Premier League goal. Uh, I, I didn't even clock yeah. that until afterwards when I saw his interview of Aaron Ramsdale, which was a funny <laughs> interview. Um, so yeah, good for him. And you know, Rob Holden's been a really important player this season. He's he gets a lot of grief, which I think is very, very unfair a lot of times. Rob Holden, I think he's a very decent defender, and um, you know, he's played an important role lots of times, mainly off the bench so far this season. So for him to start and score such a crucial goal, I thought was really good for him. And you can see how popular he is as well, Rob Holden. You know, everyone loves him. Um, and it was a really good header. Like you said, set pieces have, have worked very well for Arsenal this season. Jova's obviously doing a good job. So it's funnily enough, going into this game, West Ham, you kind of think, you know, Arsenal are going to be undone by set pieces, if anything. And, and it was the other way around. It was. And it's really impressive to see. And I, th I suppose that sort of reflects the coaching, uh, because over the years, we have not been as dominant or as strong uh, or as aggressive in defending set pieces. We have conceded set piece goals. I think we've only conceded one uh, in the Premier League all season from a set piece, which is which is nuts. And, and just finishing off the Rob Holding piece, I mean, look, I don't think he's good enough to hold down a regular starting spot at a club like Arsenal in terms of where we want to be. Um, I think he's a fantastic person to have around the squad. Everybody, like you say, Charles, love him. You know, he's always smiling when he's called upon. He does a job. But there's a joke, you know, he's now the best deep block defender, you know, in the in the game. He's a useful person to have, you know. And now I think back and look back at the sort of links that there were to Newcastle. I'm sure there'll be clubs fishing around in the summer because obviously he's English. He's you know, homegrown and all that. But he's a player that I'd very much like to keep, you know, even when William Saliba comes back into the team, if he comes back into the team. Um, so it's really good to see. Now, at 1-0, 38, 39 minutes on the clock, you're thinking, right, get through to halftime, you know, going 1-0 up. The, the, the team talk's going to be very sort of different about protecting and, you know, going again in the second half. But, of course, we've conceded and Jared Bowen scored a, a nice goal. It did take a bit of a deflection, but, you know, thoughts, your heart must have sank. I mean, I was sat on the sofa thinking, oh, what a, what a time to concede. It was just such a poor goal as well. There was just so much time given to everyone. I think... I I don't know who it was. He spread the ball out from the middle to the right. Was it Declan Rice? I can't remember. I but think he was. He was given a lot of time. And then Kufal, it just, I mean, watching it, you saw the ball floating over and just a reaction time of Nuno, of seeing the ball coming over and to try and get out. It was just, everything was so, so slow. And and then Kufal, so he was given time to pick out Bowen and, you know, Bowen had time to bring it down in a penalty area and score. It was just really, really poor from Arsenal in keeping with the performance. And, um, I mean, it was a bit fortunate about it. I don't. It wouldn't have gone in if it hadn't taken the flexion. I think it was going straight at Ramsdale. He would have saved it. But it was, yeah, it was just poor. And at that point, like you said, you kind of your heart sunk. You just thought it's going to completely change the mood in both dressing rooms. If Arsenal gone in one nil up, they they were going to be buoyant, having known they hadn't played well, but still got the lead. West Ham would they after what they went through on Thursday night really have the energy to try and come back in the second half? But then that goal just changed everything, and you thought, ah. Oh, this is going to be tough for Arsenal now in the second half. It was, and it's a little bit of a worry. The last few games, you go back to Chelsea, Arsenal scored twice. 
both times they were pegged back very, very quickly. It happened against Man United after Saka's goal. You know, Ronaldo scored a couple of minutes later. It's obviously happened yesterday as well. And that is a little bit of a concern, kind of switching off after scoring. I think that's something that Mikel will probably be talking to his players about this week. And if he didn't last week as well, because can't really afford to do that. That whole cliche of you're, you're at your weakest after you've scored. And it kind of feels that way with Arsenal at the moment. And they need to make sure they switch back on pretty, pretty quickly because you can't afford to keep giving goals away after giving yourself an advantage. And of course, Hussam Jafal says exactly that. The one thing that's worrying in the three games, we seem to concede a few minutes after taking the lead. That needs addressing. Practica from Australia has said, we still have not conceded a goal from a corner. And that's really, really impressive. Just before we move on to the second half, Charles, I mean, Bar- uh, Bowen's goal, any blame on Gabriel? Because when you watch the sort of slow motion replays, he's got his arms behind his back and he's, sort yeah. of, you know, not not aggressive in the block, you know, he's sort of like fainting and turning back. I mean, could he have done better or is that just, you know, just a bad goal all round? I think he could have done better. I don't think he didn't cover himself in much glory with that. He could have gone sort of pressed Bowen a lot a lot quicker, got into him a lot quicker, made it more difficult to get the shot away. And then yeah, he sort of turned turned his body, didn't he? And it allowed the deflection to happen. It, it wasn't it wasn't great defending all round. It was just a really poor goal for Arsenal to concede. And I'm sure Arteta in the many, many video sessions they will be doing today <laughs> as they review everything that went on, he'll be pointing that out to to all the players involved. Indeed. So in we go, half time. Team talks totally different because we've just conceded before the whistle, 1 1. Um, and actually, just before we talk about that, Ramsdale's lunge out. In, was that in the first half when he no, almost got. Half. It was a 1 1. It, it, it was about a couple right. of minutes before Gabriel's goal. So let's talk about that. I mean, at that moment, I am desperate on my knees thinking, oh, Mike Dean. He's going to go. He's just going to get sent off. What was he doing? And then, of course, you know, you have to you have to give credit to Bowen, actually, for admitting almost to the referee. And you can see if you lip read Mike Dean, he sort of says, you know, thank you very much. That's really nice of you. He gave Bowen the thumbs up after he sort of admitted there was no contact. But in that flash moment, are you fearing the worst? Absolutely. Well, to be honest, I didn't fear a red card just because it was so far out. There was two defenders kind of covering and Bowen kicked it straight out for a throw in. So I don't think even if there had been contact and Ramsdale been punished, I don't think it would have been a red card. I don't see how you could have deemed that a goal scoring opportunity because of how things were panning out. But yeah, well, as it was unfolding and it looked like Bowen was going to get the first, it was just like, oh no, what's what's going to happen here? And I thought Bowen was a little bit hard done by it, I have to say. I'm not sure you get a booking for that because Ramsdale did come flying out of his studs up and as and a throws forward, you, doesn't it? You know, you- yeah, exactly. As a forward, you're you're running down, you're you expecting it, you're anticipating it. Yeah. And I think for his honesty, yeah, maybe maybe it was a bit harsh. You're right. And there is one slow motion, Charles, that even if I watch now, I know the game's done and gone. There's one slow motion where I think, did Ramsdale stud like catch Bowen on the on the back so of the leg? Close, yeah. So, so close. I, I thought he was a little bit hard done by to get a yellow card for it. I'm not sure it was an out and out dive. Um, and I thought it was very, very risky from Ramsdale. But fortunately, it didn't. Uh, yeah, it didn't have too much of an impact. Well, it didn't have any impact on the game, unfortunately. Yeah, you're right. Uh, look, there are almost 300 of you watching right now, this early on a bank holiday and on Eid. Charles obviously is the Arsenal correspondent at goal, just in case you've been hiding under a rock for the last few years. And he is at Charles underscore Watts. Charles, you are a legend of the Arsenal game. Trust me. Um, so let's move on to the second goal. Uh, Ten minutes into the second half. Martinelli's got the ball out wide, a deliciously curled ball towards the back post. And of course, our other towering defender, Gabriel, with an almost diving header, beats Fabianski at his near post. Um, deserved sort of going into the lead? What did you think? I thought it came out a little bit out of blue. I actually thought West Ham had started that half pretty well, the first sort of five minutes. It was kind of, it was kind of going as I was expecting just before half time. Um, 
So it was a really big moment for Arsenal to score. I think it kind of immediately took the wind out of West Ham's sails and gave Arsenal the ascendancy back. So it's a really big moment. And, you know, Gabriel, he's had a good season. Gabriel is still a little bit rash. There's still a lot of things I think he needs to iron out to become a really top, top level defender. But, you know, he does a lot of good things well. And one of those is his ability in the other end, at the other end, to score some crucial goals. I think that's four for the season now. And, um, you know, it was a very good head up. Fabianski, it was, it was powerful. I thought watching it the first time and the second time, I was like, could Fabianski have maybe done a little bit better there? But he did get a lot of power behind it and it was very close in. It was brilliant from Martinelli. Great pick out. Really good delivery. And, um, you know, Gabriel anticipated well. The run was good, I thought. And um, and it was it was a decent header. Like I said, four for the season now. And it's it's a really good thing to have when you've got a centre-back who can score goals. Um, yeah, it's a real, real positive. And, you know, Arsenal aren't a team who are blessed with natural goal scorers at the moment. So when you're centre-back... I was just going to say, so is he level with Lacazette now in terms of league goals? I mean, that's just... Well, I, I can't remember. They all four in the league? I, I didn't actually look if they were all four in the league. I'm trying to think which got, what goals they were. I remember the Leicester one. I can't actually remember the other two at the moment. But you might be well, level with we <laughs> Well, we haven't played much, to be honest, apart from the league this season. But... Yeah, I've, got, um, I've got it here. He scored against Wolves. Of course, he scored the winner at Wolves, didn't he? And he scored against it. Yeah, yes. all four in the Premier League. So he is level oh, There you go. There you go. Um, I mean, just on Gabriel, final point, there's been um, rumours, uh, noise getting louder about potentially move away to Serie A to play for Juventus. You can't see Arsenal selling Gabriel, can you, Charles? It'd be ridiculous. They can't sell anyone, in my opinion, now. They're about to go into Europe next season. And I mean, when I say anyone, they're, they're obviously... We've got about 14 players. players. <laughs> yeah, you can't play anyone who's in the starting eleven or in around this. What... what? But what would it say about the process? If you you talk about this process constantly, you build up this young team, you get yourselves back in Europe, and then you start selling your first team play. It'd be, it'd be madness. I mean, you don't sell Gabriel at all, unless someone comes in with a ridiculous offer and whacks, you know, 100 million on the table. And I'm not saying he's worth 100 million, but that's what it would have to do to... Because if you sell him, you've got to go and buy buy another player. Then you've got to get them time to adjust. You know, no guarantees that he's going to be top. I know people talk about Saliba. There's still a big if if we're ever even going to see Saliba in an Arsenal shirt. So, absolutely not. You you would not be selling anyone who is a guaranteed starter in this Arsenal eleven for me. It just it would make a mockery of the whole process and the rebuild we've seen over the last couple of years and hark back to the days when Arsenal was selling their best players constantly. It's just one step forward, two steps back. So, yeah. Absolutely. I could not agree with you more. You may as well just drop the mic and log off now, Charles. That was beautifully put. Um, there's a comment here from uh, Ian Liu, I believe. I've been extremely expressed with, sorry, I've been extremely impressed with how this uh, young team can close out games, whether that's down to coaching or the players. It's great to see. And just on that, so we're two one up, half an hour ish to go away at West Ham. I think it's a combination of West Ham getting a bit leggy, looking a little bit tired towards the game, but we did hold out and we did defend really well. And I thought we were comfortable. You know, we talked about the, the threat, Charles, a little bit earlier that West Ham have at set pieces, but we dominated. We were aggressive in defending that. I don't think that they laid a, laid a glove, really. Um, what were your thoughts on the way that we sort of saw out the game? Yeah, I thought they saw it out well. Like I said, after Gabriel scored, I don't think Ramsdale really had a save to make. You know, they, they whilst Arsenal were far from their best, I thought defensively the two centre backs played very, very well in that second half. You know, they won everything they had to win. I thought Xhaka and Elneny protected them very well. And um, and they got Arsenal over the line. And although there was the tension, given what was at stake and everything like that, really, when you sort of look at it properly, 
there was only one team who looked like they were going to score the next goal in that final half an hour. And it, it wasn't West Ham, was it? It looked like Arsenal could potentially get one on the counter-attack and they probably should have done as well. So they saw it, they saw it out very, very well. And it's something they've done they've done numerous times this season. It's kind of like you were waiting for Rob Holding to come on, weren't you? But he was already on the pitch, as they said afterwards. You're, in the, you're at that stage of the game where it's like, right, Rob's on, done and dusted. Uh, let's let's go home. And, and yeah, they they got themselves over the line, line well and... Yeah, they're going to have to do that again over the next few games, I'm sure. Indeed. And talking of the next few games, let's have a look, a quick look at the league table before we go. So, of course, Manchester City and Liverpool flying at the top of the league. We've not had you on for about a month now, Charles. So your thoughts on the title race? Where do you think that's going this year? I still think I think City are going to win it just because I just think both teams are going to win every game between now and the end of the season. I can't see, you know, they're so good. <laughs> I just can't see. And look at those goal differences. It's, it's just ridiculous. ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. um, and I just don't see how any team slips up. I think if anyone is going to slip up, on for my money, would be City. I just feel like they're more likely to throw in a bit of a clangor and you know have a match where they have thirty shots on goal and don't score than than Liverpool are. But uh, yeah, I just think both teams are going to win every game between now and the end of the season, and, and they'll win. I think Liverpool win will win the Champions League. I think they'll beat City in the final of the Champions League. Um, but I think uh, City are just going to get over the line when it comes to the Premier League. And I know you're going to ask me about Arsenal now. And I honestly, I don't even want to look at that league table below Liverpool, Man City at the moment. <laughs> I don't <laughs> take four more games like yesterday. And yesterday was relatively comfortable. And I still came out of it feeling like I was 60. So I'm not sure I can take these next four games. I, I'm, honestly, I've got nightmares about the North London derby. You, you've answered Juice's question. Leeds next, how confident are we? I'm not going to put you on the spot, but let's just keep remember, going through the table. Remember two, the title race, 2002? Yeah. Hybrid leads at leads leads at home at the end of the season yeah. going for the title three two Mark Paducah. Oh, like, I, I can't get it out Damn. of my head. I can't get it out of my head. <laughs> well, we owe them one, and yeah, we, we owe them for that. And that Mark Paducah three two was, so, well. was yeah was so painful. And I think this Sunday, I think look if if Liverpool do the business, do the job on Saturday night, I just think the prize is so big for us that I think Arteta is just gonna. I don't know. I, I again. I don't, I don't want to get carried away. But Zeus, very good question. Finishing off the lead table, look, Chelsea. Yeah, third. So you look quickly on Leeds as well. You kind of know. Certainly, you under Bielsa, you knew what they were going to do. But I still think they're they're that sort of team that they are going to be open. They're not going to come and just completely low block Arsenal out the game. And it'd be one of those frustrating matches where we've seen Arsenal struggle. I think there will be spaces for for Saka. Martinelli, Odegaard to exploit in that final third. So you you would hope they they will have enough about them to get themselves over the line in it. Fingers crossed, mate. Chelsea, any risk of slipping down after losing to, to Everton at Goodison yesterday? I don't think so. I still think, looking at their fixtures, I think they'll be all right when it comes to third. So you look at Chelsea and you look at those stupid three games. <laughs> that, you know, if Arsenal just got four points from those games, yeah, top four would be done and dusted by now and you'd be very much in looking at finishing third. It's just, it's all in hindsight, obviously. But it's, yeah, those three games are very, very frustrating. I, I think Chelsea, will, despite their little wobble they're having at the moment, I think they'll still get themselves over the line because their fixtures they're not the toughest. They'd have to lose two of them because of their goal difference, really. And I can't I can't see it happening. Yeah, let's not get carried away. So look, we're in fourth at the moment. Same number of games on the board as Spurs, but two points clear. But of course, the big North London derby on the 12th of May is potentially going to be a, 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 you know, a massive game in terms of the running. Not looking forward to that, just like you, Charles. Uh, so there we have it, uh, ladies, gents and fellow Arsenal fans. Almost 400 of you watching right now live. Please hit like and subscribe to the channel if you're new. Charles, 
Uh, I think we're going to end it there because it's Bank Holiday Monday. I know you've got daddy stuff to do and you're taking your kids out and whatnot. And of course, it is Eid. So happy Eid once again to anybody celebrating around the world. And even if you're not celebrating, just have a lovely Monday. Charles, um, it'd be lovely to have you back at some point, uh, maybe at the end of the season to, to cast your mind back on the season. So thank you very much for your insight. Uh, for those of you guys who are watching, leave your comments below. Where does it leave us? Are you getting more confident or are you, quite frankly, bricking it now with the last three or four games to play? We'll have a couple of late night lattes in the middle of the week as per normal, where we'll just chat Arsenal uh, and we'll obviously have the breakdown after the, the Leeds game next weekend. So until next time, see you very soon. 